Last weekend, we reflected upon the fourth joyful mystery, that of the presentation of the child in the temple, and the fruit of that mystery being that of obedience. We see as Our Lady and St. Joseph and our Lord, together with Anna and Simeon, they all go and, and they are obedient to the Lord in each in their own way, and so it brings about this, this, wonderful, uh, this wonderful proclamation of the Lord, pointing to him as, as, as glory of Israel and a light of revelation to the Gentiles, and fittingly for us on this Feast of the Epiphany to, to rejoice in the fullness of that as the, the Gentiles are coming from the East to be able to, to see this child as we celebrate this holy feast. And so it's that obedience on their, on their part that, that allows them to behold the Lord, to see his face, and to, to have these things revealed to them. But there is a sort of a kind of extra portion of things for us here, a sort of Paul Harvey's rest of the story uh, in, a, in a simpler fashion. Because we know that if we follow the Lord merely out of obedience, there is grace there. There is merit to it. If we do things because the church says to, if we do things because the Lord says to, because we've read it in the sacred scriptures and are convicted by it, good. Obedience is a good thing. It is a virtuous thing, and it is meritorious. But the fruit of the mystery meditated upon today, the finding of the child Jesus in the temple, is that of piety. And piety brings our obedience to a deeper level and a greater level of merit, of merit for us before the Lord. Because the fact is that if we simply do things out of obedience to God, merely out of obedience or merely out of justice, while it can be meritorious, it can also be rather cold. It can be without love, without warmth or tenderness towards the Lord. We do things because we're supposed to do things. And while that's not a bad thing, it's not the ideal. The ideal is for us to love the Lord with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. And of course, then to love our neighbor as ourself. And so piety is the means by which we can increase in this love for the Lord as we are obedient to him. We know well the story of the finding of the child Jesus in the temple. It's the story of our Lord who, at 12 years of age, goes up with his parents to the temple together with uh, you know, their extended family, essentially, to be able to, to celebrate the sacred feasts. It was a regular custom of theirs to do so. And going up, this time there's something unique about this, about this particular event because our Lord is right on the threshold now of manhood. Right at 12 years of age, he's getting dangerously close to being made a child of the, a son of the law, a son of the commandments, a man. And so he's, he's coming of age, right? He's, he's, he's coming to understand himself, coming to understand who he is and what he is supposed to do. It's in that light that he comes to the temple together with his parents and the rest of his family. And they go and make their offerings, and then they, they go to depart, except our Lord stays behind. Mary and Joseph continue with the rest of their caravan, because it was a normal practice that you know, basically everybody from a, a particular area would kind of travel together in a large group. And so the ladies would be together, the men would be together, the boys and the boys and girls would be together, kind of playing and visiting and, 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 and talking along the way, kind of a normal, a normal cultural thing. And so as they're, as they're going, they get, they get to the end of the, at the, end of the, the, the walk for the day. And Mary presumably thinks the boy's with Joseph. Maybe Joseph thinks he's with Mary, and maybe either of them thought perhaps he was also with the rest of the kids. And in fact, he's simply in the temple. And whenever they realize that he's not among their people, they go in haste, we would imagine, back to the temple to see the Lord, to see where is he? Where is the child gone? 
as they go back, they arrive there in the temple and they see the boy surrounded by the, the teachers, this 12-year-old boy, not even a man according to the law, teaching the teachers. And everyone's astonished at his words, but his mom is not impressed. She goes simply to her son and says, son, why have you done this to us? Your father and I have been looking for you. You've greatly distressed us. And the boy responds simply, he says, why would you be concerned? Did you not know that I would be about my father's house? When I'd be in my father's house, I'd be about his business, another translation. Of course I would be here. Where else would I be, mom? Is essentially what he's saying. In response to this, it is agreed that he will go home with him, that he will return to Nazareth, and there at the end he grows in grace and in age before God and before men. And the next we hear of him is some 18 years later as he begins his ministry. So it's our Lord who comes <clears throat> and does these things. But it's a familiar thing for us. Something that the Lord often will do is he will do something ahead of time to be able to prepare for something that he knows is going to come later. We love, uh, love to reflect upon the Feast of the Transfiguration of how our Lord ascends, the, ascends Mount Tabor with, with Peter, James, and John, and there he has uh, you know, uh, Moses and Elijah at his right and at his left, and he, his, his clothes become dazzling white, and he, he becomes radiant like the sun, and they see his glory. They see that he is the glorious one. They see the glory spoken of in the presentation. And Peter, James, and John, they fall on their faces just in shock and in awe of this great mystery. And the Lord, the Lord Jesus, he tells them afterwards, he, he says, don't, don't tell anyone about this until I've risen from the dead. They're confused about what that means, but they're all conf also confused about all of these things. They don't know exactly what it was for. They don't, they don't understand. But the Lord understood, and he knew that, that he was doing these things. He was revealing his glory so as to show them that when its crucifixion would come, that not all is as, a, as it appears. Walking around in normal flesh, he was also radiant like the sun, though it was veiled from the apostles' eyes. And though he would be crucified, he would also be able to be living in the end, that there was something at work here. So the transfiguration was a preparation for what would come. And indeed, fittingly, the finding of the child Jesus is the same thing for that same mystery the child who goes up to Jerusalem, who goes up and then is lost. And for three days, people are searching for him. And then when they find him, there is great joy and rejoicing. This is exactly what took place on Good Friday. Our Lord, having ascended to Jerusalem, is then brought there, brought outside the city and crucified. And for three days, he is lost to us as he lies in the tomb. For three days, the world was without him. And just as the mother longed for her child for that time of, of, of looking for him while she was looking for him before the finding in the temple, so in the same manner she was longing for her son in the days after his crucifixion. And on the third day, he was found. He was found in the garden by Mary Magdalene, who thought he was just the gardener. He was found by Our Lady, by the rest of the apostles, minus Thomas by a large number of others as well in the days ahead. The finding of the child Jesus was in many ways a preparation of Our Lady's heart for the way in which he would be gone from her some 18 or so years later. From the ways in which he would be taken from her, 
But he would not, he would encourage them not to despair because all this time, just as before, he was about his father's business. He was doing his father's will. The reality is that this finding of the child Jesus, this is the reason that we have the gift of piety. It's because we have Our Lady longing to find her son, Saint Joseph longing to find his son, much an imitation of Mary Magdalene in the future who would long to see her savior. These individuals longing to see the Lord, longing to see Jesus, passionately looking, intensely looking, This is what piety is. It's loving dedication to God. It's a longing for Him, a keeping holy of things when we find them. This is the gift that we pray for when we pray in the mystery of the finding. Piety for us comes in a variety of ways. It comes first and foremost in the sacraments, particularly here at Holy Mass. Piety is also given to us by these same means. It is when we come here to Holy Mass that we express our piety, our love for the Lord, to be able to come here to Holy Mass out of love for Christ, not simply out of mere obedience to the commandment that we have to keep holy the Sabbath, which means attend Holy Mass. It's the desire to be here, to long to be here, to look forward to being here, because we know it will be the Lord whom we encounter. Piety can be expressed in a variety of ways as we celebrate the Holy Mass, in our attentive listening to the Word of God, in the the intentional gestures that we make, not allowing the the genuflections, the the signs of the cross, and the various other reverences that we make through the Mass, not allowing them to be kind of um, haphazard things or, or things that we do mindlessly, but to be attentive to them, why we do what we do, how we do what we do, and to know that in doing that well, It is a sign of love for the Lord whom we come to worship. We experience piety also by doing the thing that our Lord began doing in the first place, by being in the temple, by being in the presence of the Lord. To come to the Holy Church of God, to go to an adoration chapel or to a place where the Blessed Sacrament is reposed, is to know that there we can be with Him who loves us. We can love Him. We can speak to Him, spend time in His presence. It is a great joy for us to do so, to to rejoice to find Him as we have longed for Him and sought Him out. To learn about our faith is another means by which we can increase in our piety, because we know to be able to love, to, to know something more deeply is to love it more deeply. To know more about the mysteries of God and the mysteries of our faith is to be able to appreciate them with greater depth and to love them with, with more richness of the understanding of just how incredible our faith is and how wonderful the Lord God is to us. It's for us also to treat holy things with great reverence. Our genuflections, to make sure that they are true genuflections. To be able to bend the knee before the Lord as a sign of worship and adoration, whether when genuflecting, when coming into or entering out of the church, or whenever the tabernacle is open during the course of Holy Mass and is fitting for us out of Eucharistic piety to bend our knees to kneel when the tabernacle is opened. It is for us also those simple other gestures of reverence and love to make the sign of the cross as we pass by a church, recognizing the presence of the Lord there when entering into a church, not to be boisterous and loud, but to enter into this holy house with prayerfulness, with silence, as it is indeed a house of prayer, 
to reverence the things that God has given to us to nourish in our faith and our daily practices. The reverent kissing of crucifixes, images, our scapulars, our rosaries, our prayer books, these various ways in which we can honor these holy things because they lead us to the Lord God. They are extensions of the holy life of the church. And especially, also, and lastly, the place of piety where the Lord invites us to encounter him in prayer. It is good for us to pray various prayers of the church, these rote prayers that have been uh, written by individuals in the life of the church, given to us by the church, that have been composed by the saints and passed down for generation to generation. It is good to have these rich prayers that teach us how to pray, that form our hearts in prayer. But it is also necessary for us, absolutely necessary for us, to be able to speak to the Lord from our own hearts, with our own words. Not always to say to him over and over again, I love you, in someone else's words, beautiful though they may be, but to be able to do it with our own, to speak from our own heart, to love him ourselves. This is the gift of piety, that loving dedication to God, a seeking after him, whether in prayer and the sacraments, whether in the learning of our faith, the sacramentals, or any number of other ways. It is a tremendous gift that is given to us in the gift of piety. Because again, it keeps us from falling away into coldness. To treat the Lord kind of a merely an external thing, an object rather than a person. The reality is also though, that sometimes in the midst of our prayer, our prayer may become dry. It may become arid. When we come to encounter the Lord, when we come to, to, to speak to God, we may not feel loving. We may not feel his presence in prayer. We may not feel all of these things. We may not feel compelled to, to, to do all of that which is set before us. And in those times, it's not to be discouraged because this is an ordinary part of the spiritual life. But the important thing is to continue to pray for piety. To pray especially this mystery can be helpful in those times where things are a bit dry for us where our faith has perhaps grown a bit cold or dull or rote for us. To ask the Lord to help us to seek after him, to persevere in seeking after him, because we know that if we seek him, we will find him. And also when finding him, we will be filled with holy joy. And so as we offer this holy mass and this feast of the epiphany, the great revelation of God, of his son, and of his love for us, is to rest rejoice in the, that, that love that is poured out to us and poured into us. May we, God, grant us the grace today to turn that love back to him and the fruit of piety, to be able to love him and to seek him in all things.